Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, where each episode will give you the tools and resources to help your child thrive in school and in life. Please rate and review this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. So it's the time of the year where we are getting ready for our children's individual education plan meetings. So with that being said, this episode is for parents who will be attending their first individual education plan meeting, otherwise known as IEP. I love to say IEP and people are like, what? I need you to spell it out. So for the newbies out there who are attending their first IEP meeting because you have finished going through the process of your child being tested and now it's time to sit down with goals. And also for parents, like this is not your first rodeo and we've been doing it for a while. And we can always improve and empower ourselves with knowing more on how to go into an IEP meeting. And for any of the listeners out there who do not know what an IEP or individual education plan is, it is a plan that outlines what specialized instruction and related services that a child receives with a disability that will help them gain access to the curriculum and make progress in school. And what is awesome from a parent perspective. It's not just the fact that it's a document that holds the school accountable because you have, as a team, decided on what the goal is for your child, you know, and it's broken down. But then also, how many hours of instruction will they receive to accomplish the goal? So when you are attending an IEP meeting, which usually it occurs, you know, around January for some school districts, it depends. I would say anywhere between January and ooh, maybe April, maybe. I think it just really depends on your school. It's done yearly to prepare for the next school year. So the meeting that I'm getting ready for for my son will be for the 2021-22 school year. Another time that you will want to have an IEP meeting is when you feel as though your child's not making progress with their goals. Something has happened where you think there needs to be a shift. So, you know, you have a meeting for that as well. So this year, because right now everyone's trying to get back into schools and we're creating an IEP for my son, there are some things that I have to really look at and consider when I receive my proposed goals. So usually what happens is you'll have a scheduled meeting for your IEP meeting. You should be receiving the proposed goals ahead of time. It may be via email, but it always, regardless of any emails that you receive, has to be in an IEP document. Depending on which state you're in, they look different because you need to have a heads up on what they're proposing and you want to be prepared. You know, you don't want to have your document, let's say the day before. That doesn't give you enough prep time. So usually, let's say the week before, after I get appointment date, I will follow up with when should I expect to see the proposed IEP goals. And like the week of, let's say the meeting is on a, let's say it's on Wednesday. Actually, the previous Friday, I'm sending the email to make sure, you know, did I miss it or have you not sent it yet? Because I would like to see it. 
So that is part of making sure that you have the document. But before you get to actually having the document in your hand, I have a process, okay, (laughs) which I'm going to share in a minute. So last year, what I did was it is mandated. So even with COVID, I hope everyone received an updated IP for their child for 2020 to 2021. If you didn't, you know, and you're having some difficulties, you can always call for another meeting. But when my son's school sent me the proposed goals, really, we really didn't change anything. And because he had missed school, because they were trying to figure out how to do the hybrid model, how to do the virtual model, I understood that. He also had gaps in the services that he received, because we live in Washington, D.C. So if your child was getting fairly funded, the states were actually having issues with allowing the therapist to provide services virtually. So it wasn't something that a lot of states jumped on, like, John, let's go ahead and make sure that these kids are getting their services. I really want to say it took my son maybe three months before he started receiving services. They were not within the scope of the mandated hours that's on his IEP. But like I said, I understood. So we agreed as a team to keep his goals the same. But now that I'm moving into 2021 and he has been on a steady schedule, he's been receiving his services. I'm thinking of like these new goals in a new light. So I'm going to explain to you how I prepare for my son's IEP meeting. And prep is important because have you ever... (laughs) attend an IEP meeting. And yeah, you received the proposed goals. You read them and you were like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, some of us just like, all right. And then as you're sitting there, you know, you might really, as they're going through it, you might think to yourself, I swear that was the goal that he had last year. And when they talk about the current level of performance and you're like, but is it a new goal? Because when you come to an IEP meeting, typically I used to only come with the proposed IEP meeting. But like quick story, I attend an IEP meeting and, you know, I prepare. So I have like this big binder that I'm going to break down for everybody because you need a big binder too. So I have this big binder and one of the things that one piece of that binder is to have your previous IEP in it and to have your kids progress reports. And um, there was a goal that it remained the same. So I posed the question, why is this goal the same when I received a progress report that stated that he actually completed this goal? And the special education coordinator looked at me and he said, oh, um, I'm not sure if, you know, it's the same. I don't have the previous IEP at hand. Oh, oh, that's okay. Cause here it is right here. And here's the goal. (laughs) He's looking like, okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, you know, and then. The uh, therapist, you know, she chimed in and she's like, oh, yes, he did. And I just forgot to change it on the new IEP. But do you see that entire interaction? You know, if I didn't have my trusty, dusty binder, then I wouldn't have had a leg to stand on. So the first thing you have to do in prep is that you have to have the binder. Okay. And this is what you have in your binder. You will have the proposed IEP, the previous IEP, and the one before that. At the very least, three including the one that you're looking at. You want to have your child's IEP progress reports. You should be receiving that quarterly. Even during COVID, they still are supposed to go out. 
You should also have any statewide testing that you receive from the school. Report cards, communication logs. What is that? That is any communication that you have had with your child's therapist and teachers in any way. Most often, you know, in this day and age, we're doing it via email. I usually, every email, I have a folder and I just put it in there throughout the year. I use my binder time (laughs) to print them out as needed, okay? But in the communication log, usually it's like, I just like to take a notation because it's a document where you can put in the date and, you know, a couple of sentences of what occurred. It's just good, especially when your child goes back into in-person school or even now, you know, when there's something going on between your child and a teacher, you know, your child and another child, keeping those records for yourself. Also a list of contacts for the school. It changes every year, but the list of contacts, what is so great about this, guys, is this. What happens if your child goes to another school? What happens when you want to take your child to another doctor? What do they always ask? Can you provide us with a list of therapists that we can talk to as needed? I don't know about y'all, but before, I would be all over the place. I will be in my phone, like, ooh. I will be on my insurance page looking at my EOB. EOB is explanation of benefits. So I will be looking at that to see what doctor my child sees. So I decided to create a list of contacts, which includes not just the people in the you know immediate. So it's the administration, it's the teachers and the therapists, because that's just a good list when you need it. Any other testing, so any educational psychological testing, that's done. Typically, your child is reviewed every three years. So the most current one should be in your binder. Sample work. So any work that you have of your child's, and most often if you're receiving your progress reports, a lot of times they will give you sample work. Depending on the school, when you sit down for your IEP meeting, sometimes the teachers will also provide sample work as well. So with that being said, let's say this year, I might not have any sample work, but Last year, the teacher gave me some sample work, right? That's what I would have in my binder, you know, just so I can see what progress he's made on certain goals. And then I also have a list of doctors and therapists. So do you have all these things? If you're like me and I have created this binder, is it all over the place? No, it's not all over the place. I've created a system where it's easy for me to reach. You know, I might actually throw the things in the binder after I review them. Because I know before my meeting, I'm going to put everything together. And do not feel like, oh my God, I don't have those things. Before I actually started doing this, I had items all over the place. Now, I keep paperwork. (laughs) That's just who I am. But it was all over the place. And when I really stepped into advocacy and I realized how important it was to have this binder, in the moment that I really learned the importance of having this binder was when I spoke to a lawyer to get my daughter private placement. And private placement is getting the state to pay for your child to go to private school. And he was asking me all of these questions. And he was like, well, do you have her testing? Do you have documents? documentation that the school is not helping her make progress. I didn't have any of those things. And that's the moment I realized how important it is to have a binder because it's actually your document, your legal proof in the happenstance that the school is not helping your child make progress. You have all of your information right there. So if you're not keeping up with this thing, do not be like, oh my God, it's not an oh my God moment. <laughs> it's the moment you reach out to your special education coordinator and you say, hey, can I get a copy of those progress reports? 
you know, you reach out to the teacher, I misplaced my report cards. Can I get those report cards? But but what's easy peasy is to reach out to your special education coordinator and ask for any documents that you're missing and they will give it to you. And if your school is utilizing a website, then most often, you know, the report cards are there. The progress reports are supposed to be there. Testing and all those things, it should be really in their file. So do not feel like having an oh my God moment. I used to have those. The very first time I actually put my binder together, I was like, oh my God, I don't have that. How do I not have that? I said, okay, you know, it's okay because they have it and I asked for it. So you have all these documents and then what do you do next? I organized my binder and as I'm organizing the binder, I read it. So I'll kind of like review any tests or report cards. I'll review, like for instance, they'll take a state test at the beginning of the year that says where my son is. And then they'll do one like mid-mark, you know, like mid-year. You know, I'll review that or I'll review the last years to see did he lose anything during the summer. I also have his summer stuff in there as well, his summer documents too. I look at his testing you know, the psych evaluation to see, has he made any progress or gains based on his current schoolwork? It really helps you as a parent to see how much your child has made progress or gained. We have a tendency to forget where we've been because we're so busy focused on not even so much where we are, but where we're going. And when you review an IEP, you get to really have a moment of, wow, my child is making progress. And if your child's not making progress, then it's the moment of, oh, so it's the same goals. Oh, it's not the same goals, but it's similar. This may not be a good goal. So when you know you're reviewing it, these are the type of things that you're looking for just so you can move forward. And this is prep. So one, get your IP binder together. Two, you're reviewing the binder and the progress reports for the year. So when you get the proposed goals, and it could look different ways. My son's therapist, they actually send me their proposed goals before they actually put them in the IP. And I'll look at them, but then I'll also will look at the ones that my son had before. And I'll look at the progress reports. If they change and he hasn't completed the goal, does that mean, oh, you're trying to get over on my son? No. And I'm only saying that because I used to think that, guys. <laughs> but that's not what it is. What it is, is as if you look at progress reports and your child's not making progress, it may not even be that that goal is too hard or difficult for your child. It may be that goal is not for them. Maybe it needs to be tweaked. It needs to be different. For instance, there was a proposed goal for my son because the social worker felt as though he needed to take more initiative in class and ask questions. And when she proposed the goal, I thought to myself, yeah, this is not going to work, but we'll see because the goal is not on his IEP. It's a conversation I had with her. So she talks to him about it and he's like, I already participate, you know, and she's like, well, I would like for you to participate more. Don't you want to be a good student? He's like, I'm already a good student. So I'm on the sides laughing because I'm like, yeah, I knew this was not a good goal. In addition to it wasn't the way that she pitched it to him was all types of wrong for his personality anyway. So instead, when she proposed his goals for the upcoming year, that wasn't on there. What was on there was that he will focus in class more and that he will raise his hand one out of like three times, something like that. And when I read the goal, I was like, you know what? He can meet that goal. He'll do that. So, you know, it's those type of things that you're looking for when you have the proposed one. If the goal change, look at your progress report. Did they complete the goal? If they did not complete the goal, 
that's a conversation. And the reason why you're having a conversation about it is you want to know if they did not complete the goal, why is it changed? Because you want to know what their reasoning is. And then have a discussion about if you agree or you don't agree. Most often when they do that, they do have a reason. But you need to know what that reason is. This is when you get to wear your advocate empowering hat. Most often we show up and we just sign. We don't know what to ask, but when you have this binder, you know what to ask and you have a quick reference sitting in front of you. So if the goal is the same and they say, oh, it's not, well, here is the last one from last year. So when I have my proposed IEP, that is what I'm looking for. I'm looking to see if the goals change, why the goal has changed. I'm looking to see if I think the goal is sufficient. So when I say sufficient, I mean, it makes sense and it's tailored to my son. So this is where what comes in hand is your educational psych evaluation. So for my son, his working memory is a little low. It has improved in the last, what is it, four years, but it is a little low. So if they have a goal that says he will memorize 18 of 22 sight words, and I know he has a low working memory, that's not going to work. Doesn't mean he can't get the goal, but it means the goal, the sentence, the way that it's framed will have to look differently. It may be instead of 18 out of 22, it might be 15 out of 22. And what is great about a goal is that they always can be revised as the year goes by when they complete the goal. But you want to create this space of consideration for how your child thinks and learns. So, you know, you're going to use your testing when you're looking at certain goals and you're like, I think it mentions something in that test that this goal might not work for him. Once again, that's part of your prep. Step number one, preparation, putting everything together and reading the story. Because when you have your documents lined up, it's a story. You don't have to be a researcher or analyst. It's a story. Story goes, this is when they were tested. This is where they were. Okay, now we have the current IEP. This is what they're trying to attain. You have the new IEP. This is what they want them to do next. But you read the story. So because you sat there and you read the story, now you have a place to really look at things differently versus when I used to go to IEP meetings. Yeah, I know. I just had that one piece of paper. Everything is on them. You have to trust what they say. And I'm not saying that they are untrustworthy. What I am saying is we are all people and we can only focus on certain things sometimes. So when it comes to this meeting, you are the one that needs to step into the space and be organized. And step four. So it's two more steps. Step four, figure out who you're taking with you to the meeting, okay? Don't go into a meeting by yourself. You can, if you feel like this is what you do. I go into meetings by myself. The first couple of ones, I did not go by myself. And it was empowering because depending on what people are saying to you, sometimes it can kind of like take a chip at your self-confidence. And you may come in like, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then as soon as one question is asked or they start to you know, ask you these questions and kind of make you feel like you have nothing to bring to the table, you have somebody there for support. And step five in preparation for your IEP, the most important person, your child. Have a conversation. And on that note, Xavier Lindsay is joining us today to give you perspective on what your child wants or doesn't want on an IEP. I talked to him about the goals. It's not like, oh, this is the goal. So usually when we talk, we have a conversation, as you will hear in a minute, just about what's going on, his goals, and what he thinks. 
because as your child gets older, they are supposed to be in the meeting. So this is the moment where you get to introduce the idea and concept. So here we go, Mr. Xavier Lindsay. All right, Xavier. Today, I'm talking to parents about individual education plans. Do you know what that is? No. Okay. So it's a plan that the teachers and I come together and we create goals for you every year. So for example, remember Miss Tanya was talking to you about a goal, like she wanted you to participate more in class? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did you like that goal? Kind of. Kind of? Really? What did you like about it? If I get past it, I'm fine with it. Okay. Because she wanted you to participate more, raise your hand more, instead of them having to call on you. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you didn't like that goal. What do you think? I denied it. You denied it? Okay. So we changed the goal. She asked me, since she said you were not stepping into the goal, that she wanted to change the goal. So this is what she is proposing, right? You know what proposing means? No. It means that someone is giving a suggestion and you have the option of saying you don't want to do it or giving them some feedback so that they can make it better, making it into something that you like. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the proposed goal that she has for you for next year. She's saying that she wants you to start demonstrating on-task behavior by using your calming strategies. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that one? Because the feedback that has been in class, you are doing other things and then you get mad when they call on you. What do you think about that goal? Do you think that's a goal that you wouldn't mind working on? Is it a goal that you need? Is it a goal if I don't mind working on? But is it a goal that you feel like you need? Not really. Why not? Is that why do I have a short fuse? Right. It's not your fault that you have a short fuse, but... When you're in class and in school and in regular life, people do a bunch of stuff make me mad. They make me irritated, but I have to learn how to calm myself down to deal with them. Because sometimes people just don't understand, right? So like sometimes when you're in class with Smith Kathy and you're doing your OT and you get frustrated, what do you do? I don't know. Sometimes you get loud with her a little bit. I call it yelling, but she says she understands that you're frustrated. But using the common strategies, it'll help you in all your classes so that you can get past being frustrated. So it's natural to be frustrated, right? But we have to learn how to cope. So you see how the goal will help you? Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to all your teachers about different goals that will help you next year. Some goals we're going to keep the same because you didn't accomplish them, right? So let's talk about Lexia. No, not a parent Yes, let's talk about it for a minute. Okay, so that is part of the plan to help you read better. Tell everybody about how you feel about Lexia. It's a parent I I hope it died. Oh my god, why? The episode you gotta do the same thing over and over again. It's then the last thing you probably do is so long. Yeah, you know I was thinking because you hate Lexia. Is hate too strong of a word? Maybe we should say dislike. How do you feel about it? I hate it. Okay. So, you know what I was thinking? What I was going to do is reach out to Ms. Morrison and see if we can find another program instead of Alexia. Think that's a good option? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about report cards. You want to talk about that? No. Okay. We don't have to. 
So what did we come up with today? We talked about Miss Tanya's goals. You told me what you felt about it. And we decided that we're going to talk to Miss Gabby about another reading intervention program other than Lexia, right? How is that supposed to read? I feel like so, math work. How Lexia helps you read is before, remember, you've been using this program for a long time. So at first it helps you with your sounds and then it helps you with your blend. So the shh and your shh, right? Mm-hmm. But the part that you're working on that's giving you a hard time is memorizing the words. So they have words that they call sight words. So for your age or your grade, there's these words that they say that you should know how to spell. You should know when you see them. And that's why I keep saying Yellow. Y-E-L-L-O-W. Yellow. And then they ask you to spell it. They mix up the letters and then they ask you to spell it yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's doing right now. It's trying to help you with your sight words. But maybe we can find something else. What do you think? And if we can't find anything else, what do you think we should do? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Me neither. You think we can incentivize it? Do you think that if you do it and you put all your effort in for a good, you're supposed to do it 40 minutes a week, so it's like 10 minutes a day. Do you think if we do a certain special reward for the 10 minutes that you might be able to power through? I don't know. You don't know. We'll see. Okay, so that's what I needed you to give feedback on. And do you have any tips you want to get to parents today? No. No? Okay. At this point, everyone should already know what's coming next. Since this is the cypher that gives a nod to hip-hop, the song for this episode is Mama Said Knock You by LL Cool J. And, of course, I always got to give you my favorite lyric. And it's, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my peers, putting suckers in fear, making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. Now, the reason why I love this song is it's the song I play or it's the song I hear whenever I have to prepare for an IEP meeting. I have to show up in a meeting for my kids because it's that moment where you always get to pivot. You always get to come back and do better. You know what I'm saying? Don't call it a comeback because you've been here for years. You have been a parent from day one. Right? So, till next time, always remember what? Don't call it a comeback. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please subscribe and go to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. The Parenting Cypher podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and the executive producer, myself, Jeannie Dawkins. Until next time, remember to be patient with yourself and your child.